You've got a friend in me When the road looks rough ahead And you're miles and miles from your nice warm bed You just remember what your old past said Boy, you got a friend in me Yeah, you've got a friend in me Hello and welcome back to Rewind. I'm Josh and this is a podcast where I watch a bunch of movies and talk about them with my friends. Today's episode is about Toy Story 3 as we continue our rewatch through the Toy Story movies in advance of Lightyear. And joining me today, he just wants to hang out with the guys from the Christmas decorations box. It's Joe Morgan. Joe, what's going on? Plus, Josh, the racetrack. <laughs> got the racetrack up there. It's great. <laughs> um, uh, so, yeah, I'm very excited to have uh, Joe here to talk about Toy Story 3. It is a movie that means a lot to me. It came out in 2010, directed by Lee Uncrick and with the screenplay from Michael Arndt. Uh, it picks up, like, you know, well after the events of Toy Story 2, you have a much bigger time jump now because, you know, there was a bigger time jump between the movies. And uh, Andy is now like 17 or 18 years old. He's preparing to leave for college and you don't really bring a lot of toys when you go to college. He has not played with his toys for quite some time. They are kind of resigned to that fact. That doesn't stop them, though, from, you know, scheming to try and find ways to get him to play with them, though he doesn't really go for it. There's, some, you know, some fun attempts at that. And uh, they're just kind of very despondent. They're speculating on their future and uh, who's going to go to college? Who's going to get thrown in storage? Who's going to get put in the trash? Uh, one of my, I mean, just the the soldiers, they just go on their own kamikaze mission to get out of there, which I find very funny because uh, they just they, they just know they're the first ones to be put in the trash. Um, and Andy, like, uh, puts a lot of these toys away when his mom tells him to clean out his room. And Woody makes the cut. Woody's going to college. But, you know, a lot of the rest of them get put in a bag and are going to, you know, go go and be put up in the attic but the Andy puts them in a trash bag though and not a box with a label and his mom just uh, sees that as something that's going to go in the trash after Andy uh, you know neglects to actually carry them all the way up to the attic uh, the toys kind of escape uh, from the trash bag right before a garbage garbage truck shows up and they think that Andy has thrown them away but they jump into the donation box that Andy's mom has uh, put put there to uh, you know deliver to a local daycare as a donation where uh, Barbie already got this um, just thr- thrown in there by uh, Andy's sister without a second thought just tough look for barbie and uh they end up and woody jumps in there to go go with them and try to convince them that look you can all still be andy's toys even if you're not going to college and they're obviously uh not hearing it they get to sunnyside it just seems all you know uh bright and cheery and nice and everything and they're gonna have such a good time just playing with everyone all the toys are nice uh but woody is just like uh still very skeptical he believes he's andy's toy he decides he wants to go back to andy's whereas all the other toys are going to stay and in his attempt to get back to Andy's house, he gets scooped up by Bonnie, a um, a another child that you know attends the daycare and uh, sees a nice sees a toy with a fun little uh, sound box and says, "I want that for mine." When he gets to her house, is informed by all the other toys there that like, no, Sunnyside is not all it looks like on the surface. It's actually just a terrible place that is ruled by this uh, very angry bear who presents himself to be otherwise. His name is Lotso. We're gonna talk a lot about Lotso. And Woody's like, "All right, shoot, I gotta go rescue my friends." And that is, you know, that that's the big uh, the big goal of this movie. Joe, this movie it has a very special place in my heart for a couple of reasons. One, it, I it was I mean, for, for a few reasons, though, I, the point in time at which I saw it, I saw it, uh, you know, right after my freshman year of college. So I was less than a year removed from going to college. I, it was one of the first movies I'd ever seen in my uh, it was one of the first movies I ever saw by myself in a theater, maybe the first. I was like interning in Columbia, South Carolina at a radio sports radio station that summer. It was like a two to seven shift. 
uh, that I was normally working or two to nine or something like that. So like, I literally went to like a theater in suburban Columbia, South Carolina, at like 1030 in the morning to watch this movie. And, uh, and it ended up being like the first time I had ever like cried in a movie theater. I'm pretty sure. Uh, I just don't ever have another memory of doing that first. So it just like left like an indelible mark on me having like had this experience by myself in a movie theater, less than a year removed from going to college. And uh, just knowing, remember my mom crying when she dropped me off at the University of Florida campus, like uh, so many moments in this movie just got to me. So I guess I was trying to decide where I was going to start with you on this. And I guess the first question I would ask you as someone that is a year younger than me, who in the spring of 2010 was about to go to college, like what kind of memories do you have of seeing this movie for the first time? Are they similarly strong ones to mine? Because I'm sure you were about to leave your family. Yeah, very similar to your experience. Um, This movie actually came out in theaters the Friday of my high school graduation weekend. (laughs) So I saw this movie and then immediately and then like walked across the stage um, that same weekend. So yeah, it was very, very emotional. Um, A lot of tears, not just for the, um, not just for the biographical, autobiographical uh, tones going on there, but also because of the like terror in this movie, which was harrowing for, you know, um, beloved characters of mine. But um yeah no this was one of these this was one of the theater experiences that ultimately pushed me on the path to a career in uh film and tv so um yeah a very formative experience for modern joe uh, so just because a movie like elicits that kind of emotional reaction from you like that doesn't mean it's good you know movies can be <laughs> movies can be manipulative they can have sad moments and otherwise not be good but like i mean i think by almost every objective measure it, it is like an incredible movie i mean like you know crit- critics wise it, it i think it kind of uh was like a big thing for you know pixar in that it actually got uh, you know above the line oscar nominations not just like winning best animated film it got nominated for best picture albeit like one of the first years they did the expanded 10 but like how many times has that happened since i i don't did, did inside out get that i can't remember no um, no yes yeah, so i don't think i don't know if that's really happened since for an animated movie uh so i mean that was that that was kind of a big deal and it got a, a screenplay nomination it uh it, it did it did really really well so i'm wondering i mean uh not not that you, i mean i mean i know you there's other pixar movies you maybe even place above it on your personal rankings but like why why in your mind is like though that high of honors like what about this movie like besides the fact that like look it, it, it really moved us both emotionally what does it do for you that it's like wow yeah they truly did earn those above the line oscar nominations and this it really is that good on its own right yeah so i think this came out on the heels of just like an absolute murderer's row run from pixar where they released ratatouille wally up and toy story 3 in six years and yeah. just were crushing the game theatrically and then the other thing is too is the first two Toy Story movies were not only groundbreaking technically, but also were, you know, obviously huge critical hits. Like uh, Toy Story got nominated for screenplay at the Oscars, and then Toy Story two won um, best motion picture comedy at the Golden Globes back when the Golden Globes really carried weight. Yeah, um, and I think it was sort of that you know what they did for the Return of the King. I think it was a bit of like, hey, we're going to acknowledge like you know this historic trilogy kind of thing and but um this too like i think when pixar announced toy story 3 i don't really remember because i wasn't really into the business like film business stuff at the time so i'm not really sure what the reception was when they first announced it i know that me neither um when disney and pixar were looking to split before the acquisition um before bob Iger kind of um 
reconcile the two sides, I guess. Disney was actually developing a version of Toy Story 3 on their own, which was going to, like, there was going to be, like, a Buzz Lightyear recall, and, like, Andy was going to have to ship his Buzz back to, like, uh, Japan, I believe. Huh. And um, that movie, that version of the movie ended up getting scrapped once Pixar took back, control back of it. But anyway, tangent aside, um, I think it would have been really easy for them, for them to play the movie safe, you know, kind of make another, um, you know, not to say the first two Toy Stories are safe, but they could have done just another adventure romp, you know, like they had done the previous two times. And, you know, there would be stakes, but, you know, not nearly the stakes we see in this movie, but they mm-hmm. took a really big swing. Um, acknowledge the time difference between the two movies. I think 11 years go by between the two. So, um, yeah. And then they just put the toys through the ringer in a way that um, you've just grown to love the characters so much, I think. And, um, you know, I think the... No, and also... Okay, sorry. Well, I was just going to say, one other different thing it does is that, like, I mean, uh, I mean, I think Toy Story 4 is, like, kind of similar, but, like, there's probably less easily like the least amount of like human element in this one i would say is that fair to say too i mean other yeah. than like bonnie bringing him home and the, the the final basically the final scene and then like like you know andy like bringing up the uh put, putting the toy bag where he does or putting the bag of toys where he does like other than that like in between that like no humans doing anything really which is i think is also pretty notable Yes, except for the the terrors of the caterpillar room. But um, oh, oh, true, 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 true. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's a lot more. Um, no, no one really as integral to the plot as like Sid in Toy Story yeah. One or Al in Toy Story Two or anything. Right, like exactly. There's no like human antagonist. Mm-hmm. Like it's very much interpersonal between the toys and mm-hmm. um, and like they, you know, I think too with this one and like you know, like like you said before, we're going to talk a lot about Lotso, but just they add another layer to the the toy like you know you know what i mean like just when you think in the first one you know they're worried about being lost toys and that's sort of you know hinted at but we don't really get the full you 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 look at it like in the first movie like woody's panicked about being lost right and then you almost see with lotso in this movie like a path that woody could have gone down if he had never made it home that kind of thing Hmm. so i think it takes the ball from the first toy story and really you know carries it to new ground well one thing i noted was like you know because like i said i hadn't watched two in a while before we Mm -hmm. talked about two watching these two with my viewing is in close proximity to each other i kind of realized not that i didn't really not that i docked three a lot of points but i was like oh well they kind of actually hit a couple of beats that they'd already hit you know lotso Mm -hmm. is basically the prospector with jesse's backstory and so it feels like they're doing like two separate two two things right there that like they hadn't really like that that they'd already kind of done and just combining into one. I think it probably makes Lotso a richer character than the prospector because you don't have a lot of context for why he's just such an asshole other than like he really wants to go be in that museum, um, you know, and and it, it thinks that would be a lot more fun than storage. But like I mean, uh, there's clearly a lot more going on that like informs who Lotso is than you really had with the with the prospector in that movie. So I mean, yeah, I think that like. It, it 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 does it does a pretty good job of setting that up and just like making it if, if you're going to go without a human villain you need to like make a choice uh to like make your make your uh toy one like you know a, a, a lot more filled out and they and they certainly do that though they did it by like kind of like I'd, I'd say rearranging some of the beats they'd already previously hit which made me like kind of kind of respect toy story 2 in, in, in retrospect a little more where it's like oh well yeah you guys did some really good stuff that they were able to like build on to make toy story 3 as great as it is 
Well, I'd push back slightly in that regard because mm. I guess the one thing I would say is, you know, in Toy Story 2, like Emily just moves on from Jesse, right? Mm. Whereas in Toy Story 3, one of the most devastating shots in the movie is when uh, Lotso, Big Baby, and um, Chuckles the Clown get back to the house. They find the, the TV, book lowered. Yeah. And she has a brand new Lotso doll. I mean, mm. like, oh, that's that's like, you know, spoiler alert for Swan Song, but the Mahershala Ali movie that came out in 2021. But could you imagine just getting back to your home and there's like just another version of you there and no one knows it, no one knows the difference? I mean, man, just Yeah, but at least but at least it wasn't like she like it, it wasn't like yeah, I, I guess that 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 I guess that that is rough, I guess though. And you know, in a way, what happened to Jesse is like is kind of worse where it's like it's not even that she didn't want him anymore it's that she thought he was gone you yeah. know i mean <laughs> yeah uh, and, and, and in theory these toys and these movies are smart enough to like in theory make that distinction but like he, he he's that uh, you understand why he is as mad as he is for sure yeah. and yeah and <laughs> i think like you know the the emily thing was uh was like obviously like i talked about on our on the toy story 2 pod like that was very very intense and very very it was very moving but like i feel like one thing that you already noted that you got to respect about this movie. And I think it really, really pushes that envelope on like, wow, like, is this too dark for kids? Uh, I, I think, I think it manages to stay a movie for kids. And like, I, we talk about a lot with these movies, like wh- which ones miss the mark and which ones don't on this. And I think that I would hear someone out at there like, Oh wow, this is, this can't be for kids. But like, I, I, the movie like didn't really have that many loud critics saying anything like that. It has near unanimous positive reviews, but it like really, really pushes the envelope on like what could be too dark for them. Like, I don't know, like, I mean, maybe a five-year-old wouldn't even process what an incinerator is. I don't yeah. know. But like the fact is, like, I, I mean, one of the more impressive things I thought while watching it was like, maybe I'll save it for the end as far as like what moved me this time versus other times, because it's mm-hmm. it's a it's a it's a little bit of an evolving thing. But like an overarching thought is that like when I watched the that incinerator scene the first time, like I wasn't even really thinking about the fact that like they're not gonna actually murder these toys. It's toy story. But like it did that didn't even register because it was like it's all executed so well. And mm. like obviously the fact is like it wasn't like controversial. Like I could see why someone I could see why someone theoretically might have made the argument of like, wow, this is like too much for kids, but no one did that at the time because it was all done so well. And ultimately at the end of the day, like a uh, you know, the, it, 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 it does not turn into like a massacre. And I think it's a very touching story about love that I think people are probably like, you know, uh, or a touching moment about love where people are like happy to have their kids experience that at the end of the day. But it's just, uh, again, a very, very tough balancing act to like not make it go overboard and turn it into something it shouldn't be, you know? Yeah. And like speaking to that incinerator scene, I think the thing that makes it a bit more harrowing than their past and mm-hmm. future pinch points or climax, uh, climax, yeah. maybe climaxes or however you want to put it, is they accept their fate. You know, they oh god, yeah, they look into that fire, and then you look at that, and you're just like, oh my gosh, they they they're gonna they're gonna die. Um, and then um, perhaps the greatest callback to you know <laughs> to the first movie that you could possibly have, but <laughs> um, you feel such a wave of relief. Because I guess, you know, they just, it's its one thing, I guess, to present the danger and it's another thing for the character or to present the, the death and it's another thing for the character to accept the death, I guess. Um, and then, yeah, man, uh, that, like, I know what happens. I've seen this movie, you know, mm-hmm. dozens of times, I feel like. And still, like, you, you watch that where you know, Woody finally just gives up uh, uh, trying to escape or crawl out. Especially because, like, Woody's the one that, like, probably always, like, you would think is, like, the resourceful one that always, like, comes up with a plan. Yeah, and 
just takes slinks and buzz his hands and just like okay <laughs> you're like wow so so backing up a bit and i will we'll, mm-hmm. we'll get in with some of the heavier stuff what, what you know the the big thing like we we talked a little bit about how fun like exploring al's toy barn was in toy story 2 what do you think of sunnyside as like a setting because i think it's um i think i think it's really impressive what they do until they actually get to the dark stuff and like or, or, or how they incorporate both sides of the coin and how they make it seem like a place that could be really pleasant on the surface. And then it's all of a sudden something else. I think it's like they really make the most of, of, of the idea of like what a daycare can be for, to a toy. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's, it's really cool. And I, I do think it's really rich. Like, you know, mm-hmm. if Toy Story ever wanted to go back to Sunnyside, I think that would be uh, really great material to mine. Cause you know, it's not really a side of toys that, you get to see in the first two, at least, you know, where, you know, toy ownership is, you know, you're either like attached to a kid or you're going to a store and you're buying a toy for somebody, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Whereas this one, is just like, Oh, like communal toys. And, you know, you always had that thing where you would go to school, especially like, you know, preschool and kindergarten and stuff like that. And you'd have your favorite toy at school or, you know, if you and another kid wanted to play for the same toy, there'd be like a negotiation that would take place or you're like rushing to that basket, get that certain thing first. So um, yeah, like it's funny to think about like what, like what that would be like. Right. So I, it's a completely different toy kid relationship. So one thing that like, I, I guess I, I think, I, I think I knew that scene was coming, but like, I think I, I, I maybe forgot some of the specifics of like what it meant to be played with kids of different ages. And I thought I was like, it's, it's kind of funny just to like have that, like, uh, have that revelation because like everything just looks so quaint and so peaceful there for the first, like uh, whatever, like I guess they get there and they don't get really played with until the next day. I think necessarily um, mm-hmm. it's like they spend that first night there. Woody leaves before like they have the really bad time in the Caterpillar room. Uh, so it's like, everything looks really nice from the moment they get dropped off until the next day. And even after the kids, I guess go out the recess and stuff. And then it's when they come back where it's like, you know, that's when the crazy stuff really happens. And I was like, oh man, like I hadn't even really given a lot of thought into like what, I guess what it means to get played with a, by a two-year-old versus a four-year-old, I guess is the distinction <laughs> they're trying to make there. Cause like, these are all preschool kids, I guess. And it, it was just very creative, like just like a, a different way. Like we've seen them do, like, we've seen them do like all these different action scenes in the first two movies so well, but it's like, how about you just do it where it's like, you have child terrorist and it's like, Oh, we'll just go there. And I, I, it's just like executed like really, really well. And like how all these people, all these toys, like they thought they were in for one thing and it's a really funny way to get the rug pulled out from under them in a way that's like not as terrifying as like the stuff they deal with at the end of the movie. So you feel a little better. You can, you can just kind of laugh at it. And, uh, and at the same time be like, Oh wow, this presents like an interesting story challenge for these characters, if nothing else. Right. Yeah. And it's funny, like watching this scene for the first time since having a kid <laughs> of my own, um, my daughter's only 11 months old. So, but, so she's not quite like the kids in the Caterpillar room, but you know, we bought her a, a Rapunzel doll recently and <laughs> you know, it's probably not for infants, but you know, she can hold it while we're around and it just like, it's got this beautiful long braided hair and then that hair just immediately goes in the mouth, just immediately goes in the mouth and it gets covered in spit and like all this stuff and it just like ruins it and all that you know i'm just i'm just like don't stick i was like do you like don't ruin it yet <laughs> like we just bought it for you but um you need you yeah. need the other you need well when you when you're when you're away you need the other toys to come out and like you know uh provide a pit stop for it like they do at the end right. of this movie you know, exactly. you know well, your other toys it seems like they're sitting on their ass when they could be like you know uh <laughs> you know uh um revitalizing your investments there mm-hmm. and um to go uh, and one more point on the caterpillar room i'd be yeah. I'd be remiss not to mention that uh, Leon, Leon Gritch, who directed this movie and 
uh, started as an editor at Pixar, actually. I think he, I believe he edited the first Toy Story movie. Mm. Um, but he is a huge fan of uh, Stanley Kubrick's The Shining and huh. has a lot of horror influences in his uh, filmmaking. And like, you know, you have some of those elements of the horror stuff at Sid's house. Like some of that was from him. But I, re- I really think, you know, you get these scenes that are more just like, you know, the first two are, you know, not that this doesn't have the elements of buddy comedy, but this one has a bit more moments of like, you know, that kind of horror stuff going on. You know what I mean? Like hmm. that, that scene in the Caterpillar room really is like a horror scene, right? It's just like the monster having its way with the victim in a certain way. Yeah. So anyway, I just, um, as yeah. someone who's watched the features, special features too many times, I just thought I'd mention that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I guess I didn't really know to the beginning, but like, you know, most, most of the main toys are like, you know, they're, they're back for the, uh, uh, for the strip to sunny side, you know, you got, uh, Rex, you got ham slink, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Potato head. Uh, they're, they're all there, but like, you know, as I noted before, uh, Barbie gets thrown in with them and that's kind of like a little bit of the, uh, a a little bit of the intro into like what this place is actually like, because, you know, it's, it's a really funny sequence when you see like her, uh, first set eyes on Ken and I mean, I like a lot of the jokes they make at Ken's expense in this movie, but at the same time, like, it's a funny turn when like, you know, you see that he's actually part of like, hey, this other kind of gang that we learn about, you know, as uh, Buzz is kind of like, in, you know, doing some reconnaissance and sees what's going on. And you ultimately like see these guys, they they kind of attack him and like Lotso plays nice. And then Lotso is like, oh, no, like uh, not going to be so nice if, if you're not going to like sell out your friends to Buzz. And then we're just like kind of introduced to Lotso being a monster after he was like presented as like being kind of nice. Um, we already touched on like Lotso a little bit, but like as far as how, you know, he ultimately ends up presenting himself to be one thing and uh, just uh, quickly like drops that facade and turns out to just be like a, a horrible villain. Um, again, we, we mentioned his origin story, which I, I, I get what you're saying and how that seems like kind of like its own, uh, it, it, its own unique things in some ways to like kind of see him like that and how that could obviously like give some, make someone take a dark turn after a while. So what did you think of like how he stacks up against like, not necessarily other Toy Story villains, but just as a villain in Pixar or like, I mean, are you still pretty terrified by him? He's pretty fantastic. He, mm-hmm. he makes voice by Ned Beatty, we should say. Yeah. Ned Beatty, who gives a terrific performance because mm-hmm. he somehow is able to be both um, extremely warm, comforting and charming, but also like incredibly sinister. Like, Mm-hmm. I don't know. There's just something about when you first meet him, you're like, oh, wow. You know, like, no wonder everybody loves this guy. <laughs> and, uh, and then he just, he does like the, uh, the really bitter stuff. Well, too, like at the end, but um, yeah, like I really do think he, uh, he makes this movie stand out amongst the toy story movies for that portrayal. And, you know, like, I'm not sure how much that is, you know, Ned's performance versus how the character's written and things like that. But, you know, he even like, you know, when they first meet him, he's got like the little, he's got the little uh, wooden toy that he's sort of, you know, he's kind of got like that old comforting, like they just released uh, up the previous year and Carl Fredrickson had the little, uh, the cane walker thing. Mm-hmm. So it's like, Hey, this guy's like, you know, cool. And then smells like strawberries. Yeah. smells like strawberries. Exactly. So, and I think it's so funny too, like Disney still sells the lots of dolls that smell like strawberries and like, Oh, I didn't know that was, I mean, it makes sense. That would be a thing. I didn't actually realize like, that was i mean uh is, is that something that like uh you you would buy for lizzie at some point i kind of would be curious oh, to have one is that i'm kind of curious to be well i'm kind of curious like 
I don't really have any use for it because I don't have kids. But like, I am wondering, I am curious, like how long they actually get the strawberry to last for. Like, uh, you yeah. know, because in the movie, it's implied that like, I mean, Lotso's got to be over ten years old or something, and the, and it still and still smells like strawberry. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm wondering in real life how long they actually got that shit to last. You got if you end up buying her one, you got to let me know. Um, oh yeah, definitely. Uh, <laughs> beyond like how dark some of the stuff gets at the end it is cool like you know i, I it's it's there's something different about having a villain like that as opposed to like a zorg you know like mm-hmm. in in the last one like i mean al's obviously his own thing but al's like just so goofy and yeah. whereas like in zerg is just like it's zerg right not zorg yeah zerg yeah zerg yeah yeah like in 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 zerg is just like it's like so goofy and they play up the mm-hmm. like the, you know the star wars joke and how like you know he and buzz are like both like kind of have a having a simultaneous like it's kind of both playing on the fact that their their powers don't really do anything, even if they might react to the moment like they think they do. He's like he ultimately feels right. like a harmless villain, whereas like Lotso actually has all these like people. Lotso is like honestly like closer to Sid in a way, um, in that like he he like has all of these minions. It's like that will do heinous shit for him, and like while presenting like you know so cute and cuddly, and I feel like that is like something that like even before you get to all the harm's way that those toys are put in at the end I, that, that's just another thing that's really gonna like test kids and like uh possibly be like pretty off-putting to them so um if they're like if they're all of a sudden like the bear that like probably made them smile the first time he came on screen is like all of a sudden like threatening the, the characters they really love like that's like honestly probably like bold in, in and of itself to do something like that you know mm-hmm. yeah and then especially like given all of that mm-hmm. and then they tease the redemption arc so hard at the end oh god yeah only for him to just slap it away like it's just such an interesting and fascinating choice. Yeah, because, like, I mean, at that point, like, I guess, you know, I, I mean, we would probably still, like, think it's a pretty good movie, I guess. Like, well, no, I guess you don't actually get the incinerator moment, though, if he doesn't do that. So right. you can't really, like, actually have him, like, you know, go along and do the helpful thing at that point. I mean, maybe at some point, like, at some point, like, even if he hadn't made that choice, they could have, like, ended up working with him after that, even if he hadn't gotten to the to the button. Like, they, mm-hmm. Woody could have saved him, and then, like, he could have, like, tried to help them when they were like he could have tried to work with them or something like once they were like at the incinerator and then they could have like made nice with them or something like that and might not have really thought any less of the movie if that had been the case and they're like no we're gonna make this guy like 100 irredeemable and like put put him on a truck grill to end the movie <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly um, it's 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 just it's just kind of cool that they go there with someone and like make and, and really like try and like uh like you said pull one over on the audience like on multiple occasions and just make him like that bad uh yeah. uh, uh, uh it's uh very, very respectable I guess, I guess like you know we talked a lot about like woody's choice in toy story 2 and how he ultimately ends up you know at least partially deciding to like you know go with them um or, or to go with those toys before like things kind of turn around and i question whether or not the movie really put in the work to do that here what do you what did you personally think of like the inner dynamics between andy's toys here uh andy's toys and i guess they're not really andy's toys for a, a good chunk of the movie anyway after he uh you know get, they get given away but like what wh- what did you make of like just uh woody like insistence on uh, the, being andy's toy and like insisting that to all bonnie's toys and everyone else's reaction to him you know i I guess there's there's different moments like that where they are placed at odds throughout those first two movies you know Mm -hmm. uh whether it be like you know uh them thinking he murdered buzz in the first movie and uh turning against him or you know in the second one you have like just uh you know whether or not he's staying or going and all that kind of stuff and uh and, and and here you have basically you know like him trying to convince them of something where they have good reason to believe that's not the case but also like him just pleading and pleading and pleading and you know you get the feeling they might not have they might not have believed him anyway even if like 
even if even if there had been some revelation before then they maybe still would have wanted to stay at Sunnyside anyway just because mm-hmm. even even if they had gone to the attic as opposed to the trash or whatever it's only when Sunnyside becomes really bad so what do, what, what do you make of like all of the different uh all the different kind of push pull that Woody has with the crew here because you know I found it like I pretty in keeping with his character and like a, a pretty interesting like you know uh, choices that are laid out in front of them throughout in the way that the movie presents them, I think uh, does so pretty effectively and you kind of get everyone's motivations. Yeah, you know, Woody's relationship with Andy's always been different. You know, like mm-hmm. Woody was the favorite toy and even though there was the brief infatuation with Buzz, Woody kind of still assumes that role, right? Like, especially back, like, you know, starting again in Toy Story 2, he's going to take Woody to Cowboy Camp. We don't hear anything about Space Ranger Camp kind of thing, right? So there's all that at play. You're like even if you look at the bottom of Woody's shoe, uh, Woody's boot, Andy is written differently than oh, all the other. Really? Characters. Yeah, because it's like the backwards end. So like, you know, Woody's had the most time with Andy, and you know, so I think Woody's at this point now. He's got that to handle, and also as we established in the first movie, Woody's like the leader of the bedroom, mm-hmm. and Woody always is the leader of the bedroom. You know, it like. They had to do the staff meeting in the first movie, you know, famously. And then uh, there's that great moment at the beginning of this movie where Woody's like, let's get everybody together. And they're like, that's it. <laughs> it's like, this is everybody. And Woody like addresses them even then. So I think Woody's like, you know, he's he's managing like, you know, he's in denial about Andy getting ready to leave for college because he doesn't really know what that future holds for him. And then, you know, he feels that devotion to Andy, whereas the other toys are not the favorite toy they're probably a bit fed up that they're not, that they're still like in the toy box and not being moved on to a different home by then, you know? And then, yeah. And then Woody's trying to, you know, honor his role as the leader of the room where he's trying to keep everybody calm. Right. Cause the last thing he needs is everybody panicking and things like that, you know? So I think just going through all of this, like Woody's just seems to be in denial about everything. And something I noticed this time, is they get to the Andy's bedroom at the end, right? And like all the toys are getting in the box uh, for the attic and Woody's saying goodbye to everybody, right? It's like the upshot looking at them all leaning out of the box. He shakes hands with Buzz and he's about to get the college box or he's in the college box even. And then like you get that scene where Andy's mom talks to him, you know, and she's like tearing up and everything. And I think that's sort of, crystallizes for woody when i think his mom says like i'll like i'll always be with you even though i'm not around kind of thing Mm -hmm. and i really think that kind of crystallizes for woody like what his purpose is and it's to you know his responsibility to these other toys and that was that that was the other thing i was gonna ask you is like when uh do you think he makes the decision to change boxes basically yeah yeah because i I really noticed that this time because it kind of jives well with four because mm-hmm. like not to get too deep into toy story four here but there's that one part where woody and forky are walking down the road and woody talks about like oh you have your kid and they go on to do things you never see and i think really like in that moment in toy story three when woody hears andy's mom um great performance by laurie metcalf by the way kind of give that sentiment of that parent like you know i've brought you this far and i'm always going to care for you and be there for you i think woody kind of you know is able to figure out like what his relationship to andy is you know Mm -hmm. not necessarily that he's a parent but that's sort of like that where you know he's taken andy as far as he can go and now especially after the events at sunnyside and at the dump and everything he has a responsibility to his friends as well so that's what i took from it yeah and like 
it's something I don't think I probably picked up on really fully until now. And even uh, while previously watching the movie, but like, you know, I, I think the point I made on the Toy Story 4 podcast, which is, I mean, I guess been three years now, was that like, I mean, in a way, this is like a, this is closure on Andy's story, whereas Toy Story 4 is kind of closure for Woody in a way, but like, mm-hmm. I mean, it's in a way, like it's all, I guess Toy Story 3 is also closure for like Woody with respect to Andy, as opposed to like Woody with respect to himself. Mm-hmm. And, and where he should really be. So, and that, that, that's a pretty good stealth way, like you're saying, that the movie does that. And, like, I honestly, I probably hadn't fully grasped that, though, because like, I wanted to talk a little bit about, like, him ending up in that box and, 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 like, how I guess he makes that choice because, you know, it's not a totally dissimilar from another choice he has to make in two if he's trying to, if he, you know, for a, a sentient toy, he has some control over his future. And it's interesting how he, you know, comes to those decisions because uh, he's, 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 he's smart, if not flawed, given, you know, how obtuse he's being for a lot of this movie. Um, um, hmm. I, what else, what, what else is it? Was there, any, was there anything else you want to talk about b- besides the end of the movie? Cause I do kind of want to talk about the end a little more detail. Um, no, not particularly. Mm-hmm. Um, like I think they felt the ensemble nicely in this movie, like, and uh, you, you know, I think the new additions are great, you know, um, they yeah, don't it's, have it's kind of incredible much. that. Oh, I was just gonna say, like, it's 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 I it's like if you if you didn't you, he wouldn't it wouldn't be like in the first like ten to fifteen guesses if you if you let me guess who was voicing Ken I would not guess Michael Keaton yeah. like it's 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 funny that like he understood the assignment and gets like all the mannerisms right in what you would want out of a Ken you know yeah and while we and while we can uh, just shout this out real quick mm-hmm. this is the definitive cinematic take on Barbie and Ken and that Greta Gerwig has to live up to so. I mean, I'm uh, incredibly <laughs> excited for that movie. It is like our, my most anticipated movie of 2023 already. Not that I know that many others off the top of my head, but like, I mean, I think it's like, there's been like a lot of rumblings coming out about like how that movie actually might be like really, really, really good. Apparently mm-hmm. like Simu Liu said that like his agent was like, I would stake my reputation on you doing this movie or something like that. <laughs> like a yeah. junior agent at his agency was like, I, the script means that much to me that you need to audition for it. Even though you're like a Marvel hero now, like you should be reading for this part or whatever the part is that he's doing in it. And apparently there might be like multiple Kens and maybe he's one of them i don't really know how it's going to work i'm incredibly excited about that movie though uh i can't believe i have to wait another like 14 months for it um <laughs> but but yeah one, one like i mean there's the like these the actual escape plan uh that they do to mm. even get to the end there uh it is it, it is quite funny how like uh um ken just kind of ends up joining joining them anyway yeah um, but like but you get so many fun moments before you even get to that point with like you know spanish buzz and um mr tortilla head or whatever you want to call yeah. <laughs> uh, uh what mr potato what that that part of their plan a, a lot of fun visual moments in there is there is there anything that really sticks with you from the actual set piece that is like the final like 20 minutes of this movie oh man it's just it's, it's a little different and that's like it, it's like it, it's like it's i guess it's it's not dissimilar from like the escape from sid's house in a way but it's like a little more expansive than that you know yeah this one had the feel of like had the feel of like a heist movie you know mm-hmm. you, you kind of get the whole plan montage thing which i think is extremely cool and then there's like all sorts of great scares throughout it you know <laughs> like that, 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 that the clapping monkey's scary yeah clapping monkey scary uh the whole thing with uh big baby on the swing set and like oh, yeah you know, that, yeah no i mean this is where like you know uncrich's uh direction and influences really shine i feel like it, you know the, you get this you get like all these great moments and then even like even when you think they've made it to safety at the uh dumpster you get that approaching figure and then it's mr potato head and the cucumber so <laughs> uh you know it's there's a lot of like great surprises and moments that are very much of like the 
you know like i mean you know it's essentially it's like a prison escape maybe for that whole stretch and but no it's just it's very cool and visually interesting and you know like you said there's an escape from sid's house but it's not quite the same thing so i think they are able to like touch on new fun ground there yeah it's 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 certainly fun to see them all team up it's 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 pulled off with a lot of confidence and like it, it just you can really tell these people uh know each know each other well even if like they're having to like you know deal with buzz like not being himself for a lot of it but like you know they 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 they, they, they get some they get some really funny laughs out of that like i mean i even like i i i even particularly like just one thing i hadn't remembered even from the last time even though i'd only been three years since the last time i watched it was like you know uh when 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 they're having to actually open that air vent or whatever it is and like oh, yeah but buzz like eyes like woody kind of jealously because of any t- perceived attention he might be getting from jesse he's like you're worried for a second you don't know how how unhinged that buzz is and like you're worried that maybe he'll like try and just attack woody but like he's like no i'm like gonna be the the i'm gonna i'm gonna just sh- show how competent i am and i'm gonna do this whole thing myself it was like it, it was just like very funny to like you know derive that much humor out of like what in theory seems like should be an old joke in like these different kinds of buzzes, but it's, 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 it, it, it did it, it did it wear thin and they, they wake him up before it even like really uh, uh, at the right point, I guess you don't want yeah. him in that mode uh, for the actual final stretch of it. Um, right. Yeah. So when I was talking about the end though, when I was mentioning at the beginning, like, you know, I first time I ever cried in a movie, it was totally when they, when, when they locked arms, when they went into the incinerator. And I mean, it just like first time I'd ever really, really remember like being moved in that way. And then when I watched it again three years ago, I like I think I might have even sobbed harder, but like not at that moment, at the actual moment where it's it was more specifically at the moment where uh, Andy drops the toys off with Bonnie and then plays with them again. And yeah. uh, and I honestly think the reason I cried that hard when I watched it that time was because like I was thinking more about how happy the toys were in that moment, even though it wasn't at a moment at which they were sentient because the humans were right there. I just we just know through three movies at that point how much they love getting played with and how much they want Andy to play with them. So knowing that like they must have been so happy when Andy hadn't played with them in years and then he was them playing with them and he was going to go away like that that was what got me emotional that time and this time what got me really emotional at the end was uh honestly like the look that andy gives when he pulls up to bonnie's house and just sees her playing and you know that he is about to go to college and he is in so i'm like looking at that reflecting as like watching another guy kind of look back on his youth in a way even though he's looking at a little girl it's like wow like this guy is now kind of like even though he's only 17 or 18 he's like honestly you can imagine the kind of things he's thinking in his head like there's probably a lot of pressures that come with going to college and you're going into something really uncertain and just looking at that has to bring him back to like a much simpler time and i i didn't cry watching it this time but that was where it got a little misty in my room and i think it's kind of interesting that i've watched this at like various different points in my life i mean like not that there's that big of a difference for me watching this when i was 28 as opposed to 31 years old but like you know different things have moved me every time and i'm wondering as you've watched this more than i have though like is do you find yourself as you revisit this movie because they pack so many emotional punches into the last 20 25 minutes of this movie do you find yourself being moved by different things as you revisit it because and especially since you've gone through even more changes in your life with respect to becoming like a husband and a father i'm wondering like have different (laughs) things moved you as you've like watch this over the last 12 years um i think it's funny that you mentioned that because um with this movie uh this viewing this is the first time i've watched it since my Mm -hmm. daughter's been born i really felt like that passage of time like Mm -hmm. almost like a sadness at the passage of time but not not like a despairing sadness just Mm -hmm. sort of like a nostalgic sadness you know like one of the one of the first things that struck me was seeing buster the dog look so much older oh god yeah 
And I was just like, I felt like a little. It was sad, but it was funny when Woody calls him. Like, yeah, it's gonna be the solution. <laughs> it's a, it's a hilarious scene. I love Buster. I was just like, oh wow. And then you know, I mean, there was just like different moments in the movie. Like, you know, like when Andy's mom says, you know, goodbye to him. I'm just like, oh my gosh. And then you know, he, you know, when he leaves the toys with Bonnie and heads out, you know, and uh, yeah, it's just that I, I really this time specifically, it was just like this sort of just like yeah this sadness of like i was like wow like time passes by you know like you know not to like i like not to get us too far off the point but there's a recent episode of this is us where like um Mm -hmm. sterling k brown's character talks about like how the years like move faster as you get older right you know like when you're a kid like summer's an eternity right Mm -hmm. or the school year's an eternity and then as you get older it's like wow these things are just you know going by a lot quicker than tell me about it you're the one that all of a sudden has a one-year-old and i remember like it doesn't seem like it was like a year ago that i was like visiting you in los angeles and uh with your wife about to go into labor any second like the last year has gone by incredibly fast for me and i can only imagine for you like having to deal with a baby it's probably gone by even faster. oh yeah absolutely and that's that's the thing it's just like you know you just you realize how quickly these things happen and then like watching this movie and seeing it played out with characters i love and then you know, seeing how dramatic the changes were too. Um, yeah, that's just something that hit with me. And I'm sure this isn't like an original observation. I'm sure many people have gone through this before, but that's just sort of the headspace I was in. Yeah, I should also note, it wasn't just the incinerator scene the first time I saw it that got to me. Cause like I mentioned like how I, I was less than a year removed from going to college. It, it was that scene that we already talked about where Andy and his mom were talking in his room before he ends up at Bonnie's house. Like yeah. that was the thing that really got to me. Like thinking about my mom and having sent me off to, and how emotional she got sending me off to college a year before, like more emotional than me than like actually like seeing that depicted so vividly on screen, even albeit an animated movie that really did me in right after I was probably already like, had my emotional guard down from like the incinerator scene. And like, I was already like, uh, like a, a puddle from that anyway. So, yeah. I mean, it's just like, it, it's just like, it's just crazy. Cause I think, I feel like the, like every frame of the movie from like, basically from the incinerator on is like, just like, uh, just, uh, so incredibly powerful. And again, I think like, like I noted before, it's just, it, it's, it's, you got to respect that they went there in a kid's movie and it's still at the end of the day does feel like a kid's movie, even if like, man, like it, it might be, and that's the one reason I would maybe say is that like it, it it's very deserving of those, um, of all the, of, of all the Oscar attention it got, even if like, I, I can't really strongly argue with anyone if they're like, Oh no, I think, uh, I think the first toy story is better. I think, inside out's better i think up's better i think wally's better like they're they're all obviously great in their own right but like the thing that for that just for me here is that i feel like it, it it gives so many moments there that are like you know it's so effectively a movie for everyone and that like a lot of those moments are gonna like there's so many things in here that kids are gonna love but there's so many things in here i i feel like more so than almost any other movies that are just gonna like you know just hit adults right in their chest and i think that's that's why i find this to be such a special movie so mm-hmm. yeah joe i i i i i, I Anything else we didn't touch on? Any other uh, funny jokes I didn't even shout out or anything else that you just think is uh, uh, worth mentioning about Toy Story 3 before we wrap this up? Uh, yes, I would say that Ham's gallows humor throughout this movie is pretty mm. remarkable. Um, you know, we talked about, or <laughs> throughout this series, we talked about, you know, Ham's one-liners and stuff. I think it's just, he, he takes it to places in this one that I think are pretty funny. And then... Um, are there any lines that come to mind now? I now feel like I might have been I might have been missing something good. Let me see. All right, let's see what we're going for on eBay. <laughs> <laughs> what he says, and um, there's multiple stuff like that. And uh, yeah, you know, I just 
you know the Ken stuff is great. I think like, we somehow we yeah, the, high, the, the, the high heels thing is like hilarious when the bookworm thinks yeah. that like just assumes it's Ken anyway. Yeah, and um, there's actually a really funny follow up to this. There's a Toy Story short called Hawaiian Vacation hmm. um, that kind of that that stars Ken um, at the center of it, and it's pretty funny too. But it kind of it's a nice little follow up to, to this movie, especially if you're a fan of the Barbie and Ken dynamic and somehow haven't seen uh, any of the, this Toy Story short, but. Um, and then with this movie too, oh yeah, I was going to say, we get a remix of like this Toy Story 2 and Toy Story 3 both give us a remix of You've Got a Friend in Me. And because um, the second one, we get like the big band Robert Goulet version. And then this one, we get like the um, the uh, Spanish language uh, version of You've Got a Friend in Me, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, there's one more thing I wanted to touch on that I yeah. I talk about this movie like has a lot of like like terror, I think is the word I used. Oh yeah. And you just, you feel like the, you, you feel like you're not on solid ground, like pretty immediately in this movie. And I think like the first note of that um, is when they're doing the, you've got a friend in me montage at the beginning. And then yeah, you, you hear Randy Newman say, our friendship will never die. And then like, it just, the song just tails off into an echo. And like, it's just so, as someone who knows the song well, it, you know, if you're watching Toy Story 3, you've seen the first two. Um, at least once if not a number of times and just to hear the song kind of just like trail off at that moment like i don't know why every time i hear it it's just it's like slightly unsettling for me which i think is what they're obviously Mm. going for but um i just think it's a nice moment to kind of set the tone of like what the next you know 90 some odd minutes are going to be like but um yeah anyway no 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 i feel like i do remember that now even if it didn't it didn't it didn't register the moment and it's it's cool and so you can you know mess around with something like that in like ways that you know just make the uh just can kind of set the tone for the movie um Mm -hmm. and certainly um yeah i don't i don't really know if i have anything else again this movie is really great i'm uh i'm glad we uh found the time to talk about it i i I don't i i you know normally at the end of these i'm making some kind of recommendation to people but it's like you know if if you're if they made it to the third uh one of these like they've they've probably already seen all these movies before so i don't need to tell you how great it is but i hope we could you know uh people can appreciate us kind of like celebrating a movie that certainly you know deserves to be celebrated even 12 years after the fact um joe before before we sign off i'm oh and joe joe and i might be back we might do another one on toy story 4 i know joe said he wants to revisit it we've done a podcast on it before but like i I do think i will watch toy story 4 in preparation i'll see what strikes me so there's a chance we could have another one for you or like if we don't get to it i will repost the one we did in 2019 with our friend adam uh so they might have that to look forward to joe we'll 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 talk off air but until then is there any is there anything you want to direct people to anything else you've been watching recently that you want people to uh see because i mean they, they, they might be like watch they might be listen to this like a few weeks after we actually record at this rate um or, or or any old stuff you've been watching or just if you want to plug your social media however you want to sign off right now to anybody older than me like i promise like i'm not touting this as some sort of discovery but i've been kind of doing like a tom cruise deep dive ahead of top gun mm. maverick yeah. and um i watched the color of money recently okay. for the first time and um pretty cool sports movie you know like i haven't seen paul newman a ton on screen and kind of seeing him do his thing is pretty cool um you know like wow breaking news like paul newman's good at acting but no that was pretty cool and also like a couple of unexpected cameos in that movie like forrest whitaker shows up at one point and you're like whoa like he's just here so anyway um 
Yeah, it was funny. I, I don't know if you, I, I, I just put it up because I was like, I watched Color Money for like the first time, like on, on Thanksgiving in 2020. Oh, and wow. I, yeah, yeah, no. So I, I put up my letterbox review as you were talking, like I did like it, right? I just couldn't remember it, even though it's been less than two years. And I, I did give it like four and a half stars. And it's funny yeah. you, you picked up on that. Cause like Forrest Whitaker is someone that doesn't do a lot for me in the movies a lot that he pops in these days. Like, I think he's like actively like the worst part of Black Panther and, um, and like, and Rogue One. And like, and, and just, I don't know, he's a little too mannered and weird for me a lot of times. And so I, I the last paragraph of my letterbox review was also in general, there are very few actors I dislike. Some I like more than others are in our clear cut above the rest, but normally I, do, I think most can rise to the level of their material. However, Forrest Whitaker has inexplicably been bad in almost everything I've seen him in over the last decade. However, he, he has just come, he has just come to, to bizarrely rely on ticks and general overacting. So it's truly a delight to see him, the young version of him, just hold his own in a scene with Paul Newman giving one of his most iconic performances. So if you want to see a good Forrest Whitaker performance on top of a good Tom Cruise performance on top of a good Paul Newman performance, uh, Go watch the color of money if you want to just like you know if you think even if you don't if you're not a big pool player uh still like definitely uh worth your time um yeah. i have uh, I, I i i'm still like in a bit of a rut but i'm like i have a nine straight vacation days of coming up so i'm gonna probably watch more movies i'm gonna rewatch top gun it's on netflix if anyone wants to do that in advance of uh top gun maverick which I, as i mentioned uh last week on our uh, or over the whenever whenever at this point you listen to our multiverse of madness pod maya is going to be joining for that as well but like i so i have not been watching a lot of movies i hope to get back to that soon though i started uh, i started season two of hacks on hbo max it is still very good people should totally check that out so uh that's like the one like new tv show i have gotten to in the last couple of weeks that like i hadn't really had a chance to uh you know plug on here yet so uh hacks is really good uh, oh, I also, I also, um, I, I started season two of Girls Five Eva. Also, those, those two are in my top five movies of uh, top five shows of 2021. About this time last year, I was at, uh, I was in Los Angeles, and like, I'm sure these weren't like, you know, unfamiliar to you, Joe, but I spent like a large portion of multiple days of my trip trying to decipher what these four-year consideration ads were that they had, like, you know, they had like, uh, th- well, they had like airplanes do like, like there was like a, like hacks peacock hacks. Uh, or it was like hacks on HBO Max, or no, it was like it was like Girls Five Eva, FYC or something like that. And it was like it was like they're having like you know like one of those airplanes that like draws messages in the sky, do. And I could not understand what it was. But I think it was actually drones because it was like more <laughs> organized than like actually what a, a, a plane thing doing would be. But all of a sudden it was like it smoke across the sky, and I just kept staring at it for like days and days. Like oh, that says Girls Five Eva, which is a show I'd been watching at that point. So <laughs> two great comedies. I mean, I, I don't know how many people actually have Peacock, but like if you have Peacock, watch Girls Five Eva. If you like Thirty Rock, you'll like that. Um, Joe, where can people find you? on like social media or anything if they want to do that uh letterboxd i am the letter j parker morgan and then um if you want sad baseball tweets as the braves sort of struggle to find their footing um that is at joe underscore morgan on twitter yeah i mean like poor joe he's uh just gone so long like six months and seeing a, a world series. So feel really bad for him. No, we, did pick a, we, did, we, we, we did pick a really good time for you to record this. Cause now the Phillies are winning like seven, nothing, but they have a bad bullpen. So you might actually still have it. That's, that's not the end of the world as it might be for, for most teams. Um, as usual, I'm Josh Renovoid, J O S H J U R N O V O Y on Twitter and letterbox podcast email is rewind movie pod at gmail.com podcast. Twitter is at rewind movie pods and all feedback and suggestions that way uh coming up next on the podcast who knows it might be the top gun maverick podcast i don't know or it might be it might be the lightyear podcast it might be a toy story for a podcast i don't know but we will have at least one or two things in the next week so thanks again to joe for joining and we'll see you next time